0: Hey, everybody, do you like my new, I, I dropped my green screen, but look at my shirt. You see what my shirt does? Is that awesome or what? It, I turn into this, like this illusory body dude. I mean, that's kind of, that's really pretty, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, hey, um, I would just like to see, t- everybody turn on your mic for just a second. Not your mic, your camera. Turn on your camera for just a second so I can just say hi to you. Because otherwise, I'm I'm just speaking to this silly screen. It's nice to see who's out there. Yeah, turn on those cameras. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. I get to see all these people out there. Because otherwise, really, I'm just staring at this dumb little camera li- almost literally being screened out. Isn't that amazing? I'm just being screened out. So thanks everybody. So yeah, so this is number 28. Holy moly. I had never intended for this to go this long, um, partly because I had no idea how long the virus is going to be, be happening. And so to explain a little bit why we shifted it, this the format, just a little bit. Um, I'm stretched pretty thin these days. Uh, just, you know, like everybody else. The mantra of my life right now is busy, busy. And so um, I'm spread so thin. I just, I have to pay a little bit of homage to my nightclub members and that particular platform. And I just, I, I simply can't sustain all the different tracks that I was doing. There aren't, even, even with my lucid dreaming practice, unless you guys want to, to uh, create some kind of mutual lucid dreams, now that's what we should do. That would be really creative. We could solve this problem by all having a mutual lucid dream where we do this in the arena of the dreamscape. But since that may not happen, (laughs) I had to shift it over to this format. It's the only way I can keep going, otherwise I have to just stop it. Um, And I don't wanna do that because I'm actually having fun. So uh, a couple of things. I always do a little upcoming event thing. Um, Next week, I'm interviewing Dustin DePerna, who is the author of this and many other books streams of wisdom and advanced guide to integral spiritual development he's a sweetheart harvard trained really smart guy and just a wonderful human being and a leading voice in in the in the world of integral thought integral theory and so um dustin is gonna he and i are going to talk a lot about the difference between states and structures so many people have asked about these structures of consciousness and um, He's a real expert on this stuff. So we're going to talk a lot about that and then a bunch of other stuff. He's an awesome guy. And then here's the other guy that I have set up for an interview. This is his he's written a number of really remarkable books. This one is called Resurrection Body. I'm sorry, Rainbow Body and Resurrection. Spiritual Attainment, the Dissolution of the Material Body, in the case of Kenpo Achu. This is when I read this; it just took my breath away. Um, a number of years ago, he's an amazing Christian theologian, Francis, Father Francis Tiso, We've developed a sweet little pen pal relationship, and he agreed to come on. and, and This book is mind blowing, um, tour de force scholarship. On, uh, I mean, it's a long story, and that's what we're going to be talking about. What he conjectures is that the uh, rainbow body, which is this pretty esoteric, to put it mildly, um, pretty esoteric aspect of uh, Tibetan Buddhism where really advanced uh, practitioners, literally, not a metaphor. Um, I, I, by the way, I plan to go out this way. Um, I'm gonna have Andy set up a YouTube Zoom event in advance so that when this happens, you guys will all see it. It's a little bit like this, right? I'm just gonna go up in a rainbow body, but you know, literally just kidding, of course, Um, what happens with these really, really advanced practitioners, they literally go up in light and not a metaphor. They just dissolve into a body of light. And and there's a a reason for that, which we're going to be talking about, like, are you kidding me? Like what's happening there? It's pretty profound stuff. It basically points to how reality is made of light, Um, not a metaphor. Reality is made of, of reified frozen light. And so when advanced meditators die, they literally return to this body of light. And so what he does is he connects this, wildly esoteric, but not uncommon in the Tibetan tradition approach, um, to what some scholars, like Daniel P. Brown talks about this as, as a type of poa. I would argue actually that it's not implementation poe it's fruitional poe in other words it's not something you do it's something that happens uh, but anyway um, what he conjectures using this astounding scholarship is that this is in fact what created the shroud of Turin that nobody can explain this image that they you know again allegedly they think it's Christ but no one can explain how this thing was created and they've done tons of studies on it and so one hypothetical I should say a hypothetical. One um, conjecture is that, in fact, Christ attained Rainbow Body. And when his his body went up in light, because it was covered in this cloth, a little bit like a Xerox, you know, it just, that f- burn, that flash actually burned his image onto the cloth. I mean, who knows? It's, it's wild. But this book is, it's astounding. It's an amazing tour de force. So I can't wait to talk to him about this and some, you know, <laughs> we we've been setting the stage and he really wants to get into some pretty interesting things. So that's coming up. Uh, What else can I advertise? Um, Oh yeah. So uh, the book study group is still happening. Andy put the link for that. If you want to join us, Um, this is an ongoing discussion of of my book um, uh, dreams of light. We're having a pretty fun time romping through that. And then also in in two weeks, um, I'm doing my favorite dream yoga event of the year, which I usually do in person in Sedona, Arizona, this jaw-dropping retreat center. But this year, I'm doing it over uh, two three-day weekends starting the end of October, where um, I'm going to be introducing, for those of you who have been doing a little bit of this stuff with me, I'm going to be introducing a whole new set of practices, which I've actually never taught before, um, either in person or online. These are called the generation stage practices, which are um, completely related to dream yoga. And uh, in fact, dream yoga in certain sense is a type of generation stage practice. And also uh, deeply connected to the second of the three forms of illusory form. Um, there are three forms, impure illusory form, pure illusory form, and then perfectly pure illusory form. And so generation stage practices are connected to what's called pure illusory form. So, I'm pretty excited about that, because again, I've never done it, um, and it will be introducing a whole new battery of practices around this. So I'm kind of jazzed around it. So for today, that's kind of my riff. Those of you who may be new to this gathering thing, number 28, that's kind of amazing. What I'm going to do, I'm just gonna read, there are some really good questions that came piped in um, from club members and then from people like you. So I'm gonna start with those, and then as before, this is the time to submit a written question in the chat column, send it to Andy, send it, put it in the chat. Or better for me is raise your hand and and come online and and we can talk about some stuff. Um, But to give you some time to think about what if anything you may want to ask, I'm just gonna ping through some of these questions that were sent to me. So here's the first one from Brianna. I think it's Brianna, Brianna Carter. Hi Andrew, I'm often almost lucid in dreams in that I am influencing dream characters, moving objects without touching them, walking through walls. I love that, that's one of my favorite things to do. I love, like men, have you ever seen that movie, um, Men Who Stare at Goats, <laughs> I think George Clooney, right? I love this movie. Um, so there's a really couple of really quirky, funny scenes about trying to walk through a wall. So anyway, I, try, I do the same thing all the time, actually. These are common occurrences, but often I don't have a clue in that these are my dream powers. Are there better ways, are there ways to better notice such obvious dream signs to give that final push from near lucid to, from nearly lucid to recognize the dream as the dream state? I seem to be playing at the, at the early phases of dream yoga, but I can't progress to more meaningful practices in dream until I grasp and I'm dreaming. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, you can't progress to more refined aspects until you fully substantiate, stabilize the fact that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. And so this is, you know, one of the most common questions, issues, challenges of lucidity is, you know, getting lucid and then maintaining lucidity. And so, you know, the ways to do this is, um, you know, lucid dreaming, dream yoga, this is a path, it's a path. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to learn this in a weekend. It's, it's an art form. It's a discipline and it takes time. Um, so first and foremost, you, you just keep at it. And this is why I love so much. The conversation I had recently, the interview I had with Daniel Love on my website, he's a longtime practitioner. And I asked him and he gave a really beautiful long answer about exactly this issue. So I, re- I recommend you listen to that one. Also, um this issue was discussed with charlie morley claire johnson there's a ton of people that i've already talked to where we riff on this a lot and so again in, instead of just repeating all this stuff i'm going to direct you towards those sources but the other thing here that i do that i can talk about are there ways to better notice such obvious dream signs to give that final push yes uh, and that's sensitizing yourself more to those dream signs in other words if in fact you find yourself frequently moving objects without touching them, frequently walking through walls, what you want to do during the day is, and this is why it's so helpful to have a dream journal because you can start to circle some of these recurrent themes. So you can transform dream themes into dream signs. And that is simply, you, you study your dream journal and it looks like, wow, I'm, I'm doing this a lot. I'm walking through walls a lot or whatever it is. And so you sensitize yourself. It's like, okay, the next time I have um, this experience of jumping through or walking through a wall, I'm gonna start planting that seed, like right now during the day, that this is a dream sign. I must be dreaming. And so the more you cultivate it, again, it is a practice. This stuff, I mean, in extremely rare occasions just happens on its own. This is something you have to train in. Um, And so, you know, many of us in the West are a little bit impatient, we want instant results, but it just doesn't work that way. You know, Daniel gave this beautiful image of, it's actually a classic Taoist image that you're trying to grow, let's say you're trying to grow some fruits in your garden. You don't go out there every day and start tugging on the plant, right? If you do, You're just going to uproot the damn thing. And that's what many of us in the West do. We walk into the garden, we start pulling on the plants. You just pull them out and you kill them. So you have to be sopa, sopa, um, forbearance, endurance. Sopa was the place I did my three-year retreat. Dharma, place of forbearance, endurance, patience. This is the way this stuff happens. And a lot of people just don't want to hear that. Oh, man, I want the silver bullet. I want the quick fix. it it does generally doesn't work that way why because of all these forces of the dark side all the habits we have for non lucidity and this is why I I cast such a wide net to understand why are we so non lucid you know why is it so hard to have these dreams if you understand that then you'll understand what it takes to have them Um, so that's a very clear I think hopefully succinct way um, Just sensitize yourself to current dream themes, flag them as like, okay, during the day, uh, I'm thinking, I'm imagining, this is what I do. I'm planting in my unconscious mind, this is now a dream sign. And so when that dream, recurrent dream theme occurs, it transforms into a dream sign because you've made it that, and then lo and behold, you're more and more lucid. And then all the other things that I've been riffing about in all these webinars that I mentioned in interviews is is designed to, you know, to bring about the stability and constancy. And I have to tell you, um, these are the single most common questions, issues in the whole lucid dreaming business, which is why I address them pretty thoroughly in all these other formats. So hope that helps. So Canterbury Tales. This is from the Canterbury Tales. Cool. Some years ago, I have had, I had lucid dreams of flying. I know how to take off and that thinking keeps me, um, and that thinking keeps me aloft. How can I access those dreams again just for the fun of it? Well, uh, I mean, I'm not sure I use the word access because access, and you're probably not implying this, but it's worth saying. Access that dream means somehow that dream is there waiting for you. Obviously, it's not, right? There's no dreamscape that you plop into. You, you create your dreams, either unconsciously in non-lucid ways or consciously in lucid ways. So how, how can I access these dreams again just for the fun of it? Incubate it, dream incubation. You set the intention. Not, I mean, not only I'm going to get lucid tonight, but I'm going to get lucid tonight so that I can fly. And that second-order intentionality reiterated during the day reinstated um, with increased frequency as you go to sleep and then really kind of the final push using the processes of uh, approximate karma, you really reinstate this as you're going to sleep. And uh, this is one way to kind of create this on-ramp, this takeoff ramp, <laughs> where you can in fact have these dreams um, for the heck of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, that is my, that is my first stage of dream yoga even, is just to go for a joy ride, just to have fun. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, at a certain point, that may kind of run its course, so to speak. Um, And that's when you transform from lucid dreaming to dream yoga. That's when you actually start to work with your mind. But, you know, enjoying it, having fun. Um, I do it a lot because I, one of my state checks is jumping up. Something weird happens. I've sensitized myself. Whenever anything weird happens, I jump up. If I come back down, I'm awake if i keep going i'm either dreaming or dead so these dream signs by the way according to bardo theory eventually actually work themselves into death signs these same signs will um reveal to you at one point that you're dead <laughs> the biggest point and the biggest problem in the bardos is not realizing that you're in them just like the movie sixth sense the biggest problem in the bartos is not realizing that you're dead just like in a non-lucid dream, you don't realize you're dreaming. So most of our death experiences are non-lucid the same way most of our dream experiences are non-lucid, but that's a different story. So that's the way you do it Canterbury Tales and then come back and, and share us a tale. Okay, so this is from Kathy. Hi Andrew, thank you for all your explanations. I'm wondering if you can explain where the impure and pure illusory bodies from Vajrayana Buddhism Oh, whether, I'm sorry, I'm wondering if you can explain whether the impure and pure illusory form bodies from Vajrayana Buddhism refer to the same thing as the dream body we talk about in lucid dreaming. The impure and pure illusory bodies are supposed to arise from end stage of completion stage meditation. So there's a lot here in this question. Um, Yes, everything arises and dissolves from analogs to completion stage practices. Um, So this is a pretty big topic that I'm just going to skirt to the side for people who are not familiar with that phrase. But yes, that part is true. I will simply say yes. I'm wondering if you can explain whether the impure and pure illusory body is referred to the same thing as a dream body. Well, maybe. You know, a illusory body has a a massive bandwidth. It's, again, it's one of these multivalent terms, illusory form, illusory body, julu, magic body, I and mean, there's so many terms for this. This is a, this is a term that applies to a, a vast bandwidth <clears throat> of uh, experience, um, of which dream body is just one. So you could say that the dream body is a subset of what's called pure illusory body. So this, this ties into the thing I said 15 minutes ago that the practice I'll be introducing um, in the deeper dive is in fact exactly this. How does the practice of pure illusory body relate to dream body? Um, And how can we exercise that dream body during the day? So this is a prescient question. It's precisely what we're going to be exploring, which I've actually never done before. Um, At least I've practiced it for decades, but I've never presented it. So I'm kind of excited about that. So in other words again I love these big fancy terms they're not isomorphic a dream body is not the same body as um, it's certainly not the same as impure because impure is is purely conceptual utterly faked Pure illusory bodies are partially conceptual partially not and they're brought about either through spontaneous expressions in the dream state or through these intentional practices called the generation stage practices where you actually work to generate this type of body. So does that make sense? Illusory form is a larger catch-all phrase that includes just a ton of things, including things like astral body, subtle body, dream body. I mean, just this huge, massive intermediate bandwidth, um, somewhat akin to the vast display of what's called sambhogakaya. That's another term that uh, I just wanna throw out there if that means something to anybody. So dream body is not, it's a subset of illusory body, pure illusory body, not impure illusory body, um, but they're not exactly the same thing. You see, dream yoga, dream, I'm not dream yoga, dream body is a subset of the definitions of pure illusory body. So it's a little bit technical, but there you have it. And Kathy again, I'm wondering how to tell if we are in sleep yoga where there is no dreaming or that we cannot recall dreams? I don't understand that last question or that we cannot recall dreams. That I just don't understand that. But I'm wondering how to tell if we are in sleep yoga where there's no dreaming. Well, that's a great question. It's not so easy to tell um, at first because there's no form and, and in this, um, This is one reason why we miss this experience every single night, because we're not familiar with the formless dimensions of our being, Um, a little bit connected to what you are talking about before, the completion stage meditations. In fact, if you do these practices, the completion stage practices, Kathy, they're the ones that prepare you for this. And so uh, one way to tell is, if you are having an experience in, in your nocturnal mind, in the dream state or wherever you are, and there seems to be like, there seems to be this sensation of I, I'm experiencing nothing. I'm experiencing blackness. I'm experiencing the void or whatever. That's not quite it because there's still a dualistic relationship to that experience. In other words, there's still like, I'm experiencing that. So if you have that experience, that's not it. The experience itself is is not easy to define because it's a non-dual experience. Um, You don't experience it, actually. You dissolve into it. So on a real level, you can't experience it. It's like Trungpa Rinpoche said, ego cannot attend its own funeral. (laughs) What a great line. On a very real level, you can't experience it. You, You can't have a conscious experience of sleep yoga. The, 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 those terms are actually mutually exclusive. So if you're having that, that's not it. If you, quote-unquote, are, are utterly dissolved into this radiant black light, <clears throat> and again, all the, everything here is in quotation marks, if there's an experience of the non-dual clear light mind, generally born from familiarity with these practices during the day, i.e. the completion stage practices you mentioned earlier, then you'll know it, um, but it's not you that knows it. It knows itself. So, um, you know, if you are, are listening and want to come on and ask for some clarification, that's probably as far as I want to go with this one, just because it's going down a rabbit hole that's pretty subtle and we just may not want to go there. Okay, one more and then I'll open it up. This is from Cloud Dragon. In the Tibetan tradition, lamas, chukus, can select their gender intelligence location near Dharma health for next life. Uh, well, not, Always, yes and no. Lamas can't do that. Um, because lama is just a again, it's a, it's a nomenclature thing, but lama just means teacher. Um, and most lamas don't have that power. Even tukus, now tukus can <clears throat> also known as voluntary nirmanakayas, <clears throat> but not all tukus, only the supreme nirmanakayas, not not even the blessed tukus have this kind of power. So it's only the highest karmapa-level tukus that have that capacity to select everything that you're talking about. Most actually don't. Um, So that's one thing. I have heard that five lights are the horse and mind. Mind practice is the rider to the transfer of one's consciousness. So there's a lot in this question. You seem to be suggesting um, some kind of poa thing here, but that's not clear. Um, Five lights are the horse and mind practice. What mind practice are you referring to? Um, So this just is a little bit ambiguous to me. Um, The last part, how are these skills passed from this life to the next? Well, they're passed if the practice is really stable. If these skills um, are really deeply um, realized, actualized, then they spontaneously pass from one life to the next. Because it is in fact that level of awareness that you're intimating at the beginning of your question comment, that actually never dissolves. That's, that's the, it's even below the substrate. That's the indestructible continuum, the metipatigle. That's something that just doesn't dissolve. And, and when, when you actually gain access to that um, at the level of the first boomy it's irrevocable in other words you don't lose it there's no it's non retrogressive and um, for someone who has this they never lose it the rest of us where we haven't had that realization we've had just experience experience has a beginning and an end that fades that doesn't last so it really depends on whether it's experience or whether it's realization if you have realization which is stable it's it's irrevocable it doesn't it's non-retrogressive it won't fall off you'll always have this If it's just experience, that will fade, that will fall away. And then you work to cultivate that with all the different practices. So um, that's it with the questions that came in. So now we can open it up. Questions, comments, offerings, challenges, jokes. Jokes. We haven't heard too many jokes lately. They have to be clean jokes, however. But anyway, Andy, you could open it up.
1: (laughs) Great. I don't have any jokes planned, but... uh... We'll start with the raised hands, and first with the audio will be Myra. Myra! Got it?
2: Yeah, hi. Okay, hi.
3: Well, my last lucid dream was kind of a joke, because in the dream, um, it's a long one, but I began to try, like, stretch my fingers so I can tell people, you see, this is a lucid dream. Uh-huh. And then I asked, I told the person I can also manifest Jesus and I tried to manifest Jesus and they they began all laugh at me. It was like oh, a jam awesome. and I said, you see that guy in the back? Yeah, that guy in the back. Yeah, that's Jesus. And they were always laughing at me. And I was very upset because. <laughs> so I guess in my own mind, I'm really doubtful that I could manifest anything, and that's the way that I was talking to myself. I don't know if that is a joke, it's a nerdy joke. <laughs> um, I had to laugh it's on my. It's
0: la- It's making me laugh, <laughs> and since it's all about me, I think. Yeah, that
3: cool. might. My- yeah my dream characters do laugh at me and my idea that I could manifest <laughs> but um <laughs> that's great that's um, great <laughs> um i'm i'm thinking about what maybe tying up to one of those questions about the sleep yoga because um in many of the exercises and the meditations that you take us in other courses there is the sensation of focusing and expanding in a way or amplifying the vision um in that sense that like dissolving, uh, making it a bigger. Um, and in all those uh, exercises and other ones that we've done, there is a sense of uh, uh, descending in the sleep yoga. When you're falling asleep, if you can slow it enough, that is, a, there is like a sense in my experience of descending. Nice. Uh, there is nice. some, before you lose a complete, like like a spatial sensation. Nice. Um, and then everything just kind of stops. Yep. Um, Can you explain that sensation?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yes, I can. (laughs) Um, I believe uh, that this is due because I've had the same sensation, same level of experiences, somewhat regularly. Um, I believe it has to do with the bindus, the droplets. You know, the mind essence droplets. consciousness, mind pearls, whatever you want to call them. You know, that's what happens inner yogically when we fall asleep. And again, this is slightly different from Tantra to Tantra, but um, the consensual approach, at least that I am aware of, is that, you know, in waking consciousness, the Bindus are gathered in the head center. And when, when we fall asleep, it's an interesting kind of linguistic revelation, the Bindus are literally falling. And so I think many of us uh, notice sometimes it, it actually is connected to what's called a hypnic or myoclonic jerk, which is when you're, you know, very often, I'm sure we've, you've had this experience, but you're, you're, you're drifting off into sleep and then you just kind of jerk awake. And sometimes that, that actually is connected because you're, you're falling. And if, you know, like the way you said, that's really um, very sensitive, very often there's an impending sense of annihilation it feels like you're not just falling down, it feels like you're falling apart. <laughs> you're dissolving. You know, you're, you're, you're actually going down this kind of, um, I mean, this is my language, this purification filtration system of being that eventually lodges rests in the heart center when you're resting in the deep dreamless state. So my experience of this is a little bit similar. And in fact, honestly, it's one ways I, one of the ways I try to access sleep yoga is actually using the halfway house the intermediate state of dream yoga. In other words, when you're dreaming, the bindus are in the throat chakra. And even the Jewish mystics say this, by the way. And so what I do sometimes to to try to access lucid sleep from the lucid dream state, I use it as a halfway house, like a station. I will literally, whatever dream floor I happen to be in, I will just continue that descent, because I know what's happening. Oh, I'm in my throat. I want to get to my heart center. So I will literally, I do three things. I close my dream eyes. I hold my dream breath and I plunge through whatever dream floor I'm in. And as I do that, it's, I write, I think I write about it, this in the dream yoga book, it's a little bit like, you know, this, this spiritual, here's a bad joke, the spiritual version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? It's like, it's like, sometimes i'll see my dream body you know like my arm goes flying off here my it's just it's just this macabre kind of disintegration of my dream body which is it's actually when you're aware of it it's like killer cool it's like wow this is awesome it's like some you know some uh uh, goth type (laughs) dream yoga practice and then i just continue to further fall where all the stuff continues to disintegrate and then if i'm lucky i kind of bottom out into the bottomless dimension of sleep, you'll get my heart center. So so what you're saying definitely resonates with my experience. And if you're aware of this, you can start to sensitize yourself to it. When you're falling asleep, it's interesting terminology, you can actually start to notice this descent. You feel it as a falling. And instead of contracting again with this hypnic or myoclonic jerk, you can just continue to relax and open and then just can try to continue to fall lucidly. and then, yeah, something like that. I mean, you can say more or ask more around that Meyer, but that's kind of the way I play with it. Does that make sense? No, no, that's, I just wanted to confirm. Yeah, it's,
3: it's I have heard it before, but it was like, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was in the right track. Thank you.
0: I think so. Yeah, you're and following- by the way,
3: that is a must.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you're following, you're following? No, no,
3: I was going to help everybody.
0: <laughs> what, 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 what? Go ahead.
4: Finish?
3: Oh. no no finished i was just trying to promote your seminar at the end of the month because there's a junkie about that one and this is one of the best i i still think that that's your best workshop the oh, one that so is great. coming at the end of this month so oh
0: thanks my yeah, <laughs> i think all. you i think you've been to yeah. three of them um or all of them i can't remember but yeah they're fun I mean, yes have
3: been.
0: yeah they're my it's my favorite dream yoga program by far um, because we go so deep um, so thank you for that plug and thank you for the great comment and question yeah we're falling through the central channel and it, it actually feels like a falling um, so yeah good for you keep up the thank good you. drop so to speak <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you dear
1: okay um, I think this next person has a joke for you hmm. better be good let's see
5: There we go. Hi, Andrew. Hey, who's this? Joseph.
6: Joseph.
0: Oh, oh, Joseph is the joke. We can go on to the next person. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> hey, amigo, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to hear from you. I'm looking forward to the uh, program and uh, working with the Illusory Body yes. jo- Joseph is gonna be helping us with this
0: event. He, he's a, a, a very skilled Practitioner of these generation stage practices, and so um, we're going to be using his decades, lifetimes of practice with generation stage to uh, facilitate
5: others into it. So, looking forward to it. So, cool. So, so, you got I, a joke for me, Migo, uh, or or what? <laughs> well, I have a, a couple of jokes, but that were favorites of my teachers. But I have one that I think will be particularly appropriate for for this venue. Okay. Um, I was I was uh, riding on this. On this long train ride one time, and I noticed the guy in front of me every now and again would laugh out loud and and I got curious and and watched him and and in between in between the laughs, every now and again he'd go like this okay. and, and that made me really curious so so. I, I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but what are you laughing about? And he said, well, oh, it's okay. On long train rides, to pass the time, I tell myself jokes. <laughs> and I said, oh, and, and what's this thing that you do? He said, oh, those I heard already.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really bad. It's so bad it's actually funny. <laughs> Think about it yeah yeah exactly no i like it we're always talking to ourselves i love it yeah well said amigo talk to you soon
1: (laughs) thanks joe all right uh next with the audio will be katie hey katie
4: hey how are you i'm well thank you you're looking
0: luminous you've got this big beam of light behind you and this big orange thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you do you live like in the desert those are like santa fe colors are you are you down there
4: you're good really? I'm, I'm in new mexico not santa ah, fe see. But see? i'm in the I Knew it. yeah
0: i thought so <laughs> anyway what's cooking what's up
4: um so i have a couple of just questions about the stages of dream yoga okay so i've been working with stages five and six. Oh, cool um the transforming into a deity or a sacred image, and then also going into the dream bodies of other characters and animals. Good for and you, things.
1: good for
6: you.
4: And um, I'm curious that the stage five feels to me like, I'm able to transform into other things, but I still kind of feel like myself. Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's, if there's something different meant with that stage if you could just that yeah
0: yeah yeah what a great question and also it's interesting the synchronicity here because this is exactly the stage of dream yoga that connects the generation stage practice so Mm -hmm. the the new practice that i'll be introducing in sedona or actually in sedona online Mm -hmm. is exactly designed to augment stage five so it's so interesting that you would ask that Mm. um so obviously a ton more in the program itself, but what you're saying is actually really interesting. It's a little bit akin also therefore to, you know, Bardo type stuff, just to add that extra dimension to it. But, and then maybe clarify and say a little bit more if I'm not hitting the sweet spot, but yes, indeed. You know, when in, in stage five, you try to arise in different forms. Um, and there, there is almost always until the very highest levels of purification. This is why the practice is still slightly impure. It's not perfectly pure. This is connected to pure illusory form. It's not perfectly pure because there's still the subtle stain of conceptuality and reference. In other words, me. So exactly what you're saying, that's a fantastic revelatory statement. That is exactly why this practice is not perfectly pure. There's still a little push, habit, momentum that continues. And that's fine that's actually fine there's there's still this sense of i'm arising as this deity i'm arising as that you're still faking it you're faking it um with more authority because unlike in the waking state where you still have this clunky thing that you're trying to superimpose the visualization on in the dream state that's gone and it's you know mind becomes reality so that that image that visualization becomes your body but it's not pure because there's still this little smell, the stain of I'm generating that. And that's totally fine, Katie. That, that's why this is still a provisional step. Eventually what will happen um, with perfectly pure illusory reform is that stage five will eventually arise without that reference. And this, this reminds me of a, a really sweet thing that I read about Lama Yeshe, I, a beautiful teacher, um, uh, uh, Gelukpa guy, who this story just cracked me up. He, apparently, he was teaching and he heard that one of the people in his little group was an actor. And he got all excited. And in his broken English, he says, he goes, Actor, actor, I, I, best actor, because I, nothing, therefore I can become anything. I thought that was just fantastic. And so this is, in fact, what we're working with. So your your comment is a really beautiful, sensitive one. You are so on it. And that's just part of the, the limitation of this particular stage, even though the stage itself is really pretty sophisticated. I mean, it's fantastic if you can actually arise in that. But there is, like you said, there's still this sense that I am arising. There's still some sense of me doing that, right? Mm-hmm. and that needs to be purified, um, and that's the purification step that transitions into what's called perfectly pure illusory form. That happens at stages 9, 10, and then actually the completion stage beyond that. Does that make sense?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: What I'm saying? Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah it does. Um, yeah, it feels like I've, I've glimpsed and done some work in some of the later stages, but it felt like I needed to have more intermediary steps to really stabilize those later stages. Beautiful. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to your retreat.
0: Yeah, you're the best. You're, you're such a sensitive dreamer. And, and that is exactly what the inter- intermediate stages are about. You know, so again, in, in my kind of listing right there, I have these nine stages. It's basically the way I unpack the classic three stages. Because if you look at the classic dream yoga text, there's only like three stages. And these, these steps are so big. There, there's no granularity. It's just like, you want me to do what? It's just too subtle. It's too much, um, or in a certain sense, not enough. And so what I do is I I break up these three into nine, so that you have a little bit more of these baby steps,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that then in fact, like you're saying, you know, each each one of these steps works um, with stabilizing the others. And so, that, by, by the way, they all every single one of them, except for the first one, maybe works with progressive stages on emptiness. I mean, all the stages of dream yoga work with emptiness. And another way to phrase that in what you're saying is that you're still not empty of this habit of self. There's still, you know, a little bit of Katie coming along. And so eventually when you get to the higher stages, stabilized by the middle ones, like just to repeat that particular habit, um, just eventually that will be purified and then yeah i'll just leave it at that because stages eight nine and beyond then actually bring what you're talking about to fruition where these sorts of things just happen spontaneously without intentionality um and so we'll say more about that in the program itself but as usual terrific contributions always great to hear from you
4: yeah thank you Andrew. Ciao. Thank you.
1: thanks katie all right next with the audio will be rana
7: Hello. Hi. 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 I think you probably answered this question, but not directly. And I'm not sure. So I ask it again in my okay. own. Way, okay. Which is, can we change our karma in our dreams? Mm-hmm. How can we change our karma? Period.
0: Yeah, great question. So, I mean, this is the nature of, of the path, right? So, one way to look at The path altogether, in the in the grandest sweeping terms, is, you know, you first work to replace bad karma with good karma, and then eventually you replace good karma with no karma, um, and it's only a Buddha who is karmic free. And so another way to say all this is you replace bad habits with good habits until there are no habits, and this actually ties into uh, Katie's question. It's very similar. Um, only Buddhas are habit-free. And so, you know, this, this really, your question is at the heart of the whole thing. And the, the dream practices are absolutely positively a way to accelerate this process. Because when you're in a dream lucidly, not non-lucid dreams, it doesn't apply. Because in a non-lucid dream, you actually can't purify karma. Because you at that point, you're, you could say a victim of karma. That's what's, that's what's dictating the dream, your habits. So this doesn't apply to a non lucid dream. But if you're lucid, and this is the whole point of dream yoga, you can create new habits. Doing these different stages, you actually create in the dream state new habits, new karma that then works to purify your mind altogether and therefore the waking state. And and this is a really great reason why to engage in, in dream yoga period, because why not use all the dream experiences as a way in fact to do that and so just to show you how far this goes allegedly his holiness the very first karmapa chusam kempa right Noah of the three times in 1042 he attained his enlightenment through dream yoga and you cannot become enlightened unless you purified your karma so he had to have purified all his karma in the dream state and so you can absolutely totally do it um alan wallace writes about this every dream yoga master talks about it That's one reason you do dream yoga. It's a way to clean up your habits in the dream arena. Okay?
7: Um, Just checking one more thing. Sure. In just shamatha, you know, and uh, in shamatha, when we see that we are thinking, we recognize our thoughts as thoughts, it's very much close to lucid dreaming, in my yeah. opinion. You yes, know, absolutely. like, absolutely. It's the difference between this reality and the reality in the dream. Absolutely. If, if I can be aware of my thought, I'm, I'm recognizing. And if I'm willing to feel whatever is those thoughts, those dreams bring it up in me, then maybe I'm changing the karma by... Yes by going through a lot of pain of that.
0: Yes, absolutely makes sense. And it's absolutely spot on. And just to show you one more thing, how this is interesting how some of these questions and narratives are tying into this generation stage thing. What you do, in fact, with generation stage practice is precisely built on this premise that if we don't take control over what our mind constructs, Our habits take control, our karma takes control, our habits, karma generate so much of what we experience in our life, period. And so when you're working with generation stage practices, you're actually taking this process, this phenomenology, and now you're going at it very directly. You're working to actually use this generative impulse to create, to construct in a healthy, good karmic way, good habitual way, yourself and therefore your world in an entirely new way so this is another way to purify karma using that practice which also ties in is you know if you come you'll you'll see you know, notice all the ways i'm sneaking in my advertising here <laughs> you'll see how this ties in to both generation stage practice and the deeper lenses of dream yoga okay
1: great question beautiful question thank you <laughs> that's now okay i want to honor some of the chat questions we got Mm -hmm. uh so this is from elaine Mm -hmm. could you comment on how dreams have changed under covid
0: oh my gosh there's so much there's so much research on this right now um look up the work of deidre barrett she's a harvard um psychologist dream researcher she wrote a marvelous book called the committee of sleep which is on that book is all about creative impulses (laughs) that arise in the dream state. But Deidre has done studies on this. I posted an article um, uh, some months ago on this topic, exactly this topic, conjoining it with some recent study about how the Third Reich and the whole Nazi thing affected dreamers in Germany. Um, And so because I've addressed it it in quite some detail in that post, and I can refer you to those sources, I'm going to do that. But there's a lot of literature on that now. Um, And Deidre Barrett uh, probably has the most on it that I've come across, but there's, I just read another one this week that, you know, the the, the virus is definitely affecting people's dreams. And again, to me, it's just like, duh, you know, it's just so obvious, you know, we, uh, here's the logic behind it. And this ties a little bit also to the previous question thoughts, are to waking consciousness as dreams are to dreaming consciousness. In other words, we dream at night what we think of during the day. Um, and therefore, if we're thinking about the virus and we're thinking about it socially at a social level, it, its I mean, it's like zero surprise to me that this would affect people's dreams. But because there's already so much out there and I've already um, posted on this on the site, look onto some of the latest news. And I don't, I don't know, Andy, if you can actually pull up the link to that while we're here. But I sent that article, um, an article about this some months ago. So it's
1: definitely having an effect on people's dreams for sure, as it should. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. So I'll look for the link for it. Great. Thanks, Bud. Uh, this is a question from Greg Can you say a bit about the differences between the dreams one is just watching, like a spectator, versus dreams in which one is an active participant?
0: And so, I'm just assuming, Greg, that you're talking about these in in the lucidity arena. Um, Are you talking about lucid dreams? I think you are. Let's assume that you are. Um, Because in that case, the first type of dream is called a witnessing lucid dream, or Ken Wilber refers to it as pellucidity, P-E-L-L, lucidity, which is, in fact, a type of witnessing awareness where you simply just watch. And this is worth throwing into the mix, um, because it's a very viable way to work with dream yoga, where you don't interfere with the display of the mind. And this is one of the, the, I think, ungrounded criticisms of lucid dreaming, which again, it's like these people don't know what they're talking about, where, oh, you can't interfere, you shouldn't interfere with the arising of the mind. Uh, I mean, that to me is just silly. I think you should interfere um, in a certain way because you want to change your habits. You want to change. If you don't interfere, you're just going to be driven around by these impulsive habits. So that just holds no water for me. But even theoret not even th- th- theoretically, but even if you just maintain this witnessing lucid dream, you're still allow- allowing everything to arise. You're not interfering with anything. You're just more aware of what's happening. So it doesn't interfere with the play of consciousness. So even If their objection holds, which in my book, it doesn't, the objection is still dismissed on another level when you say, well, you can just watch the contents without engaging it. Um, And then, so that's a form of dream yoga. Then there's, you know, the other nine stages again, that we're talking about before that's when you engage, you participate, you create, you move. This is totally connected to meditation, right? Same thing just happening at night there are certain types of meditations vipassana witnessing type practices where you just simply witness the arising of the mind total diurnal analog but then again this is interesting because this also ties into generation stage but there are also other practices like generation stage yogas where in fact you work to actively construct create generate certain qualities mandalas deities all these magical things using your mind and so Really, the, the foundational point is you can use your mind and your experience in both arenas. And so they're both viable forms of practice. They just have different kinds of bandwidths of applicability.
1: Okay? All right. Um, Lindsay asks Are the generation stage practices you will be teaching in your upcoming retreat specific to lucid dreaming or dream yoga? Or will you well, be talking?
0: Yeah, Lindsay, I wish there were some. Um, and I, I think this is my dear friend Lindsay from Boulder. I don't know of any, Lindsay. I mean, you're a good Tantrika, sadhika. If you know of one, let me know. There isn't, and I asked, I've asked uh, Mingyur Rinpoche, I've asked Mingyur Rinpoche, is there a dream yoga deity? Is there a dream yoga mantra? And they both say no. Um, there is Dr. Nida, who's a very interesting practitioner now in India, I mean, I'm Italy, I should say. I hope to interview him one of these days he presents a dream yoga mantra, but um, he doesn't present present the dream yoga deity. Tenzin Wangyal in the Bun tradition does, but I don't have that transmission, so I can't teach that. So what I will be doing, Lindsay, is is teaching a sutra level um, generation stage practice, which means you don't need an empowerment, you don't need a tree, well, I'm gonna give the tree, you don't need a long, that doesn't make it any less powerful than these tantric ones, not in any way. But it's a more kind of entry level, um, um, yidam practice, generation stage practice that is super easy to get into. It's short, it's beautiful, and people can wrap their minds around it. But if you can if you can pound, you know, shake the trees, Lindsay, and find a dream yoga deity, let me know, and we'll bring him or her in. Okay. <laughs> i don 't know of one in, in the Buddhist world, I mean, on one level, you could say they 're all you could, you could say that, but the thing about as you know, Lindsay, the thing about these deities is they 're archetypal principles, right, and so when you 're working with generation stage practices, one reason there are dozens, if not hundreds, of these babies is because each one is is designed to work with specific bandwidths of mind, um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you hear something about this, let me know i haven 't found one yet.
1: All right, this question comes from iPhone. What does it mean when a DC speaks against our lucid experience? I guess that's a dream character. I had a lucid dream last night when I, uh, based on a dream plan, to send healing light to myself. I asked Andrew in a subsequent non lucid dream, and he rejected that a dream plan as an induction method is not valid.
0: So I'm a little confused. I, I... Uh, the the interjection of of Andrew are you referring to me or is that the dream character? There's just a lot of lot here we need to centrifuge out. It's not clear to me. So just start the first part and maybe I'll just stop you because I'm not sure when you threw my name in there was that referring to me or is that referring to your dream character?
1: So sure. start over and then I'll stop. What does seem to be clear to me? Sure. So what does it mean when a when a dream character speaks against our lucid experience? Okay, stop right there.
0: Um, yeah, that's actually very interesting. That's a really interesting comment. Um, and here's what comes to mind around that, is that dreams, you know, the moniker for dream yoga is, is really interesting. It literally is the measure of the path. That's the moniker, the measure of the path. In other words, dreams altogether, as any psychologist since Freud will tell you, and even Freud didn't originate this idea with his interpretation of dreams, um, dreams are revelatory, um, largely because, you know, from a neurophysiological um, point of view, the, the prefrontal cortex is offline. The executive parental function of the brain is offline. That's what makes dreams so bizarre and weird. It's like the parents are out of the house, so the, the mind just goes crazy, right? There's no um, executive function, and that's what makes dreams so bizarre. But that's also what makes them so revelatory because you're, you're you're expressing yourself. You're expressing yourself without the mediation of this executive parental function, the, the frontal cortex. And so on some levels, this is actually pretty interesting. Um, they will show you, your dreams will show you things that you may not want to hear or see. And so what can happen here, and I'll share a personal story around this. I had a damn funny dream about this. I think I shared it with somebody before. It just cracks me up. I'll share it where you can have this kind of conflict of interest. You can have a dream where part of the bandwidth of your identity is not in harmony with another part. And so then you get dream characters that come in and so to speak, talk against you. And I've had these to the point where people have told me they've had dream characters arise in their dreams that say, you shouldn't be doing lucid dreaming. You shouldn't be doing this practice. And I, I find that extremely interesting. Um, to me, it's, it's suggestive of how one bandwidth of your identity is speaking to another part. And therefore there's this kind of cognitive internal dissonance or conflict of interest going on. So I think that's what's going on there. So let me share my story. <laughs> and this was actually very humbling, right? This is why you got to be so, you just got to take it, you know, it's like, oh my God, I thought it was somewhat progressing on the spiritual path, but oh gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm such a loser. So, so anyway, so here's the dream. I think I shared it with you. It such a crack up. So I have this. This is a lucid dream, right? So I'm I'm awake in this dream, and I'm I'm on this dock, this kind of seedy sailor's dock in the 1800s, somewhere in Boston or somewhere I don't know where. And you know it's kind of rough and tumble bar with all these you know Popeye type characters with you know just you get the idea, gruff and beer drinking and like ah, salt of the earth at best. And so and so I enter this bar. And this is also very interesting, kind of like the beginning of Silence of the Lambs, which was very interesting metaphorically. You know how she, when she goes to meet Hannibal, what is she doing? She's walking down, 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 down to like cellar dimensions, you know, ground base level. That's a very interesting metaphor. So I'm walking down, down, down these steps to the to the like the seediest part of the bar where there's all these really kind of, you know, nefarious gnarly looking dudes. And because I'm lucid, you know, I walk up to them and I go, I go, dudes, who are you? What are you doing in my dream? And and this, the gruffest of the gruff looks up with his big, you know, unshaven face and his big thing of beer, and he said in his in this totally kind of Australian accent, he said, Hi hey, Mike, where are your unconscious mind? Oh God, I was busted. I started laughing in the dream and actually woke me up. Hey mate, where are your unconscious mind? So here I am thinking I'm like this evolved bodhisattva about to be, right? (laughs) Oh, what a joke. I mean, those of you who know me, I mean, you know, this dream is revelatory, right? So so here they are, you know, the moniker of the path, you know, I I still have these really shady elements in my unconscious mind. And so instead of like waking up and being totally bummed out, I, I just woke up giddy. It was so effing funny. And I said, of course, this is what I still, I still have some stuff I need to work on. So anyway, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> the rest of the question I honestly don't understand because I don't understand the insertion of, of the name Andrew. So if you're there and want to clarify
1: it, please do. Yeah, it was from Anisha and she clarified, she said, Andrew was the dream character that spoke against my lucid experience. But that's,
0: not, that's not me, right? Or that is me. Is it a different Andrew or is it me? I think it's you. Oh,
1: okay. So read the rest of it now. Now we'll see how busted I really am. So read the rest of it with that light in mind. Sure. So I had a lucid dream last night based on a dream plan to send healing light to myself. I asked Andrew in a subsequent non-lucid dream and he rejected that a dream plan as an induction method is not valid. So that
0: that dream plan as an induction method is not valid? Um yeah, I'm not sure what to say about that. Um, so unless Anisha, you're online and can clarify it for me, um, I'll, I'll let that go for now because it, I honestly just don't quite understand it. But that's, I'm sure, due to my sailor's level of ignorance on this one. <laughs> All right. This, I, had too uh, much, I had too much water over lunch today. you think I was drinking a margarita, but this is just water. It's just I'm
1: high on life today. Well, that's good. All right. This this uh, chat question from Tim. As I'm getting older, time seems to be going much faster and my life experience seems much more dreamlike. Do you think that this is a natural part of the aging process and that intensifying it would wake us up faster? Also, where can we get a shirt like yours?
0: <laughs> well, if you come to my Sedona Deep drive, Dive program, I'll sell this to you. <laughs> yeah, this is just awesome. I mean, I totally love this. What's happening is my my shirt is being picked up as a green screen um and so it's it's reading you know because I got tired of that damn screen behind me, and so for some reason, it's just using my shirt as a green screen. I love it it's per- it's perfect illusory body type thing, right So yeah, <laughs> in relation to your question and comment, I've noticed the same thing. you know the older you get the the faster the years click by. And I'm not sure for everybody it becomes more dreamlike Um, that I can't speak to, but I think for people who perhaps are doing this kind of work, um, maybe you being on the spiritual path, eventually you do start to see things as more dreamlike. That doesn't mean they're, they're somehow less real in a very deep sense. When you see things as a dream, it's actually more real. So there's just conjecture on my part going on here. Um, I think most people don't have that experience. But read the second part of it again,
1: Andy, the last part, except for the shirt. The last part, I just forgot. Yeah, do you, do you think this is a natural part of the aging process and that intensifying it would wake us faster?
0: Intensifying what? Intensifying the aging practice?
1: <laughs> um, maybe the time moving faster.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how you would even do that. If you want to age faster, just watch more news. <laughs> that will really put some gray hairs on your head. So again, I, 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 it, this is one of the limitations with written questions. I don't have the opportunity to interface. Um, but I, maybe what I said is, is of some benefit.
1: Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure what else to say around that. Okay? Sure. Um, well, I'm going to give Anisha the audio real quick to oh, cool. clarify that question. Okay. Fire away, Anisha.
8: Hi there, Andrew. Can you hear Hi. me there? I can. Hi. Oh, no worries. So um, this was a lucid dream where I was trying to send some healing energy. Um, okay. This was one of my first lucid dreams where I was able to execute a dream plan to send awesome. some healing light to my body, to myself.
0: Beautiful, good for you.
8: But but I couldn't do it, you know? That's okay. another question. You know, I just okay. couldn't get light to come out of my hand. or So I ended up just making some verbal uh, affirmations, you know and that was it okay um, but then i slipped into a non lucid dream <laughs> and the funny part is you were in the non lucid dream you you appear quite frequently in my non lucid dreams uh, you'd think i sh- that, that would be enough of a trigger to to get me lucid but enough you know, of a
0: trigger to have a nightmare <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh this has been such a funny uh, q and a or whatever like i, I, I don't, laughing I don't, day, I don't but, know why
1: i'm
0: so yeah. giddy today must be all the nitrous that i have riding through my house today or something oh, i'm sorry dear. <laughs> I'm interrupting you.
8: (laughs) No, no, no. This is all good. So anyway, what I guess the point I was kind of contemplating was the fact that you said it because you represent lucidity to me. I mean, you know, in terms of like, I listen to all your classes and audiobooks are constantly running and nightclub and all of that stuff. So I'm just surprised that you represent lucidity to me, the principle. I mean, that's why I appreciate the Sangha so much because outside of nightclub and you know the few dream teachers that I've known there nobody talks about dreams or right. even lucidity or any of it so right you know and then in the dream you actually like reject you reject this experience lucidity experience um in and, and uh in an in, so I'm just struck by the fact that there's just this contrary you're saying unconscious if that's indeed what it is then um yeah.
0: You know, yeah. these are the sorts of, I mean, first of all, I mean, super interesting. Right. And so here's where I um, strip up just a tiny bit because this, and again, this is not in any way to dismiss what you're talking about. I think it's super cool, but you know, the kind of dream interpretation end of things um, I can sometimes suss these out on the spot but sometimes I need to actually have them, I need to look at them, I need to kind of touch into them, feel into them, and then maybe I can interpret them. So this is more an interpretive question and um, I, I can't do it on the spot. I'm not entirely sure what it might mean for you. I think one of the delights in working with dream interpretation, and by the way, the best book on this that I've come across, there's tons, is Let Your Body Interpret Your Dreams by Eugene Gendlin really beautiful refined subtle way to interpret dreams where your body interprets the the dream for you so i might recommend you to that book and to his work or you know um to a dream interpreter um it's just right off the cuff i'd have to settle with it and see what what comes up around and nothing immediately comes to mind um it's super interesting and i just i just can't have an interpreted answer like at the tip of my tongue okay sorry
8: yeah no no i think um um, yeah, I was just curious and then yeah, I'll check out that book. I'm not so much into interpretations really. Right. It was just it was just um yeah, I was just interested.
0: But still there's some symbolic thing going on. And so, yeah. you know, dream interpretation is super viable. It's a really important thing. Um, it definitely absolutely has a place. Um, it's a little bit different, as you know, Anisha from Lucid Dreaming of Dream Yoga where you're not really trying to interpret, um, you're just basically trying to alter your relationship. And this is interesting. Exactly. It's, it's one yeah. of the differences between meditation and therapy, right? So meditation, mm-hmm. you're not interested in dream content, you're interested in transforming your relationship to it. Exactly. You want to I interpret think- it, you go to a therapist. So it's similar to that kind of um, daily activity. So
9: yeah.
0: I think with That's that said, yeah, play around with that. And, and then maybe you know you could also incubate another dream to help you perhaps understand the early one. I've done that before. I've had dreams where it's like, hey man, I'm just too stupid, I don't get this one. You know, and then I actually Im- try to incubate another dream that helps me understand the previous one.
2: Oh, and so obviously
0: you, you could just continue to fall down an infinite regressive rabbit hole there, right? <laughs> where you just have a new <laughs> series of uninterpretable dreams and then you're really like left in a labyrinth of confusion. So As, yeah.
8: long, as, they, <laughs> as long as they need to lucidity, I guess I'm good, so.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that's the point okay.
9: but anyway Thank thanks you. appreciate
1: Thank it you. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks to share. Um, so we still have a, a few hands up okay yeah we can do it we'll do a few more i got about another 10 minutes perfect okay well next with the audio will be alejandro
6: yes it's me hi hey bud hi andrew hi hi uh, hi alex uh so i i I got two questions uh, the one came up just now when you were talking about buddhas not having habits or karma and and the question that I that arose in me was uh so does bodhisattvas mm-hmm. have habits habits correct doesn't or karma or, yeah. or, or what's the difference there both
0: well habit is just the western translation of karma this is actually an interesting comment my friend because that is in fact one of the differences between bodhisattvas and buddhas so bodhisattvas are still on the path um and depending on the cartography the nine boomies whatever there's different stages there there are nine at least nine levels of bodhisattva and one of the ways to talk about what are those levels is in fact exactly what you're referring to it's just different degrees of residual habituation. So it is, in fact, only when you transition from the 10th Bhumi to the 11th, the path of no more learning, when all habits are free, um, all karma has been purified, and that's what actually denotes a Buddha. But bodhisattvas aren't quite there. That's why they're not quite
6: Buddhas. Okay. Okay. So next question. Now I'll be quick. uh, No, you're good. You're good. So. I, I read the book of the dead the the, the the book the Bardo Tohol.
0: Bardo Tohol? the Bardo Tudril, yeah. Uh huh. The Tibetan Bardo. of the dead. Yeah. Bardo Tudril. Bardo Tudril Chenmo, the Great Liberation Through Hearing in the Between.
6: Yep. Exactly. I read that book years ago. Yeah. Okay. And it was a, a book that really struck me. I, I think it's 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 it's, it's, it's uh, I was impressed, you know, by by what what it said, and, and and then I just have a check on it recently, and I I got to know that it was written by none other than Padmasambhava. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, and and it say there, and I think it's the Wikipedia page that Padmasambhava. Had like many other books, and they were, they were to be discovered Therma. when yes. the time was right. So right. my first question is, are any other of, of those books discovered already? or oh, yeah.
0: oh, the hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, it's called Terma, and t- uh, literally mine or treasure. And and terma texts come in a whole, as you might suspect, you know, lists of lists of lists, right? So there's all kinds of terma. There's what's called satir, which is earth, earth terma. There's mind ter, which is mind terma. Um, and then there's visionary ter. So there's all different types of these types of transmissions. That in itself is a super interesting topic. Padmasambhava and his consort Yeshe Tsogyal, and also Mandarava have have. You know, planted these all over the damn place, and they continue to be discovered. In fact, most, but not all, most terma discoveries and the people who do those are called tertons So, uh, in this case, it was Karma Lingpa, who is a tertan, that discovered the Tibetan Book of the Dead in Gampodar Dar, in Tibet. Um, these things keep popping up all over the place, um, and so there, there are literally hundreds of these, my friend. And and this is interesting. Another way for me to plug all my stuff because. As you know, everything is about me. (laughs) I'm teaching a course um, in November um, through embodied philosophy, which is a really interesting entity. In fact, I'm the book, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So I will be talking about all this stuff in tremendous detail. terma principle, teraton principle, who wrote it, why, that kind of thing. But in short, yes, um, there are literally, no exaggeration, hundreds. It's just that the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is the most famous, um, probably because it's kind of a strangely sexy topic title, who knows, but you know, it's probably the most famous of all the termas, but there are many, many, many,
6: many. Okay. All right, and, and there is a way to 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 get them, to find them anywhere?
0: Well, yeah, they're, they're li- I mean, literally they're everywhere. You, you know, um, I'm trying to think of where you could actually learn. Specifically, you might want to look, you know, who the king on this is, uh, um, Tulku Tundap Rinpoche. So, you might want to write his name down and look up his work T U L K U T H O N D O P. He has written a book, I don't have it within grabbing range, but he's written an entire book on this topic. Um, and unfortunately, the title escapes me. But if you google him and type in Terma, T E R M A, This text, Um, if there's some Buddhists out there who can remember the name of this book, um, I'm sure it'll come to me the minute I click off this uh, webinar today. It's all about this topic. And that's where you can learn about all many of the other ones that are out there. But I'm not exaggerating. There are literally hundreds of other ones. Okay. All right. Thanks, bud. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Alex. Okay. um, Next will be Jerry and Maureen. Hey Jerry and Maureen.
2: Hi. Hi, Andrew. Thank you Hi. so much.
0: Oh, I uh, love your th- I love your thing back there. That's killer
2: cool. Which one? Is this a dream? I love them. Oh. Yeah. We've got them all over the house.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and it looks like it looks like maybe White Tara back there, or I can't quite uh,
2: know.
9: Yeah.
0: Yes, it is, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah, awesome. Sorry, I'm I'm so easily distracted. It's like that's I'm like, like a little kid. What's I'm, that? I'm sorry, Jerry. Go ahead. No, that's all right.
2: Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask. Uh, well, several things come to mind. One is, um, it was in your your class this last weekend, over the last two weekends actually, and have been in a number of your classes. Both Marine and I have. Well, nice. Thank uh, you. Over the last couple of years now. Thank you very much. All on the Bardos, predominantly on the Bardos. Cool. Uh, and at the same time, very interested in lucid dreaming, but feel like real beginners uh, at that level. And wonder, well, is this class going to be over our heads? W- which class? We, bo- we both have a lot of experience in meditation,
0: years. Oh, ago. The, the Sedona thing. Yeah. Well, here's here's what, no, here's what I recommend. Um, the only thing, the only requirement to attend this, and it's a very soft requirement, Jerry, is, is either having read you know, my first book, um, Dream Yoga, or have some familiarity with the basic principles of lucidity, because we don't go through that in this course. Um, I have other courses where I do that. In fact, I, I launched a, a, a program the foundations of lucid dreaming on my website that is, is one of these courses now that's actually available in that form. So, you know, the, it's called a deeper dive because what we do in this is, we use the lucidity principle as a type of archetype because um, lucidity is code word for awareness. And so this is the genius of the whole dream yoga thing and what separates, separates it from lucid dreaming. We use the nocturnal dream as a way, as a double delusion, to explore the nature of this dream, this thing. And so therefore, you can absolutely positively take this course with zero um, success in dreaming. It's just, the only limitation is that if people are coming to this course thinking they're gonna get all the induction techniques, all that kind of stuff, no, that's not what I teach here. This goes into much more refined, nuanced um, trajectories of, of dream yoga that are actually very directly applicable to both the Bardos and to the waking state. So in that regard, I think you would find it, again, and i would be very honest with you if I felt it wasn't appropriate. I think you might find it of some interest because mm-hmm. there's certain things that I cover in these programs, obviously, that are not covered in other programs. Um, and so I do think with you, that you two would probably get something out of it.
9: Yeah, nice. I'm,
2: I, it was about halfway through the Dream Yoga book, and then switched over to uh, Dreams of Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, kind of in between. I'm in a bardo. You're in the bardo between my two books. Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. You're going to be fine. You're, you're really. It's going to be totally fine, and I think you'll find it of some interest. I really do. Um, so, yeah. All
2: right. So far, everything that we've done with you has been of great interest. So. Thanks. You're very kind. I appreciate that, my friend. It means a lot. So,
0: yeah. Hope to see you mm-hmm. there, so to speak. Yeah, okay. All right, Thanks bye, you. my friend. All right, Andy, let's take, uh, well, we got a few
1: more minutes, one or two. Okay, perfect, we've got two more raised hands. Two more, and then we'll call it. <laughs> perfect, all right, well, the next up will be David.
10: Hi, um, Andrew. David. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice
2: to I've see been, you.
10: Waiting for a good chance to ask this question. I have something called aphantasia. Oh, wow. And, uh, aphantasia is a recently uh, discovered uh, condition that's said to be developmental, okay. where you don't visualize in your day to day life. Um, you, when someone says, uh, Imagine a horse running through the meadow, you, it doesn't happen. Really?
2: Um, uh and, and
10: i'm um you know i'm 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 a sadika i've been working with trunk rinpoche's teaching since the early 70s um and um uh, just doggedly kept ahead of it only recently discovered uh that this existed yeah and <clears throat> news to me <clears throat> so um uh, you know when i try i you know i you know i can't visualize a deity you know it can be little flashes of something but it's nothing can hold there now my my dreams um are 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 full color uh dreams and they can have all you know emotions and smells and and sound and things like that uh but i'm just wondering and and maybe since you don't know about it yet maybe um, you could think about it. Oh, would it be a way to use uh, dream yoga techniques um, as a way to enable visualization in the daytime? Totally,
0: it would make sense. It, I'm sorry, I cut you
10: off. Continue. It, it's it's the the psychologists uh, um, say that this is uncurable. It's a, it's a developmental thing. It's just set uh, when you're an infant, and it doesn't happen anymore. But um, so, but um, I just think it'd be a, a really good challenge to see if it, it could somehow use it to enable it. And uh, as a, an, an a correlatory thing um, is I want to say that I, I used to be able to remember my dreams much better than I do now and I had a dream diary. And um, at one point I decided that the dreams were so repetitive and not particularly troubling anymore. I had actually, you know, used union techniques to overcome um, terrible uh, nightmares cool. that would be so strong I'd have physical marks on me wow. uh, from from the dreams, wow. and I confronted them in, in in a dream, and it just popped that whole illusion, popped, oh, wow. and it it just cleared up instantly, and but at so um, <clears throat> and I did read. Diaries for for years, but then I just stopped doing it and decided, well, this is okay. I could just uh, let, you know, enjoy the dreams and let go, and I don't even need to remember them anymore. And somehow I've made a set in my mind so much, I have a terrible time going back and remembering most dreams. Every so often I'll have something pretty magical, Trunk Rinpoche comes to me. I will remember that. Um, But I'm just struggling with getting. Yoga to work and I really yeah. feel like I need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So well, cool. thanks.
0: Yeah. Thanks, David Um, yeah, I'm gonna totally look this up. I, I am not um, familiar with this aphantasia. What how interesting It um, so let me ask you a couple questions I, I, As a student of the of Trungpa Have you engaged in some of his sadhana practices then? I mean have you done some of his uh, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and so, how, how does how does this limitation, if it isn't that a limitation, how does it affect you when you do those types of practices? I mean, are you able to visualize what they recommend, or does that just not click for you? Just doesn't click.
1: Just
10: doesn't click. Okay. I I I, I can actually engage in a practice, and I, um, you know I remember uh, uh, Jeremy Hayward at one advanced course saying even a kind of addressing this and just say if you can't visualize um make it um uh instead of visualization feelingization, and that is more important and that's the core of it is the feeling not the the colors so that's a great comfort to me and i can do that yeah i and i can generate the connection with the deity and and the feeling of all these things happening but there's uh you know, uh, the the picture on the wall doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by pictures of my own walls.
0: Got it. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, Jeremy got that from me and I think he got it, from, uh, I stole that from the low pond. So that goes all the way back to the low <laughs> And this is actually a very important thing, <laughs> thing eh? is that, you know, as you know, with generation stage practices, there are three aspects, right? Visualization is just one. And so what Jeremy is referring to is pride of the deity. That's the feelingization quality. That's the second aspect. And the third, of course, is the symbolism around that. So just because you can't visualize doesn't mean the sadhana practice in itself is ineffectual. It just means you have to put more eggs in those two other baskets. So that's one thing. You know, the second thing in terms of like um, how you can work with this in your dreams, I mean, that would be a very interesting experiment. Um, to see if in fact you could, because when you're in the dream state, in fact, this is one of the reasons you can use generation stage practices for facility in the dream. It is a type of visualization. It's very similar. And so there's a spontaneous generative visualization taking place when you dream. You're just not generating it. Um, And so they're deeply connected. Uh, And in fact, when you do, I, I know for sure when they do brain scans, the areas of the brain that are lit up when you visualize and and when you see all together, they're they're extremely similar, if not the same. So I think what you're saying is very interesting. I mean, again, there's so much here, David. Uh, You know, on another level, deeper level, um, as incredibly viable as dream yoga is, this is one of the great gifts of being in the Vajrayana, the, the vehicle of skillful means. There are so many other Avenues at your disposal where you can gain the same level of realization and insights using other methods and in this case The daily practice of loose reform is in fact one of the best ways to come to the same insights in dream yoga without having a single lucid dream and That's one reason why I wrote that second book uh, dreams of light for exactly this reason So, you know, maybe you can direct me where you want me to go with this, but if you're having this kind of problem um, then maybe dream yoga um, is not the best of the yopayas for you then maybe you can put your eggs in the illusory form basket or some of the other approaches you know where you work with these qualities of mind in the daytime arena the, the bottom line is is fundamentally everything is workable and so if you have a particular limitation in this case a hardware issue so to speak that doesn't mean you can't progress beautifully using different you know kind of approaches so, anything more around that that you want to send my way? I mean, that's what comes to mind initially.
10: Well, um, it just seems, uh, well, since I do, I, I can, I, so I have the visualization of my dream. It just seems right. so uh, opportune to break through into that and, 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 Well, so
0: let me let me me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there, then, because that wasn't clear to me. So, when you're saying you're having visualization and dream, David, so then you're saying you're experiencing that, in fact, as a lucid dream, or is that simply a dream that's regular for you? Oh,
10: I occasionally have lucid dreams, and 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 just once I I was able to do a complete Sukhavati for a friend. Fantastic! In in, in a, a dream, and felt it was actually beneficial. To my friend who had just
0: died oh absolutely oh totally and so yes so if in fact you do have those dreams on occasion then absolutely positively you can and again stage five dream yoga on one level that's where it's most pronounced you absolutely positively can work with these um, processes of visualization using the medium of the dream absolutely positively and so if that 's the essence of what you 're asking, then I would simply say, "Yeah, absolutely, um, and that can just be augmented, you know, maybe not so much with the daytime visualizations, but um, just with kind of standard induction techniques and just lucidity principles altogether, so something like that, my friend is that does that a little bit make sense
10: uh, I guess, but I want to also open up the uh, the conversation i 'm glad you 're going to be willing to. Look into this
0: because oh, I'm super interested in it. Fascinating, it is fascinating, and and I love you know I mean again without being like an ambulance chaser, I am extremely. If I had to do it all over again, I would either be a neurologist or a neuroscientist. I I am so deeply fascinated with the neurological correlates to phenomenological experience. I mean, like what's going on, and so I I love you know Oliver Sacks. I mean, all these people who work with um, just variations in the hardware and how it affects our experience. So yeah, I'm super interested in this. I I wrote it down, I'm gonna look it up and do a little research on it because this is new to me, I'm not aware of this condition. So thank you for introducing it to me. 10 to
10: 15% of uh, people have this. But uh, the point is, uh, is that most of them don't even realize that it's a condition because um, like most people, I just thought, well, when people talked about these things, uh, uh, I didn't realize that the visualization was could be really so precise and, and so yeah, yeah, complete. Yeah, I just, yeah. yeah. Just, um, so it, 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 it's just kind of stunning. Like, Oh, really?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, and that part, that is actually, unf- unfortunately, quite common. In fact, even Oliver Sacks himself at some point, and I don't remember what the condition was. Um, he discovered at a certain point, he goes, Holy moly, I think I am afflicted with this. And again, I don't remember what it was. So, again, that's not that uncommon because, you know, so much the fabric of your experience, you don't realize it's a so called limitation until somebody tells you. It's like, Whoa, I had no idea. But I'm going to let that go for now, David, because I want to get one more question before we close out for today. But I'm very interested yeah. in what you said, and I'll, I'll do a little research on it. Thank you for the offering. Take care, amigo. So one more, Andy, and then I need to run. So, all right. Um, this will be from Judith.
9: Hi, Andy. Hi. Andy, thank you for taking this question because um, I know it's the last one. Um, I I don't lucid dream, but I'm 72 now. But when I was like 33, I had this life-changing experience. and. It was life-changing for me because I was brought up a Catholic. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know I was going through a huge existential depression. And I went to bed one night and I read the first chapter of, um, it was by Rudolf Steiner. It was Knowledge of the Higher Worlds. And I'd never read anything like this. And I read the first chapter and I started to, spin so violently that I couldn't believe that my husband was asleep. I couldn't believe he wasn't experiencing it as well. And it was so violent. And there were two people on top of me, two people that were really helping me in my life. And they kept saying to me, let go, let go, let go. And eventually I let go and it was so incredible. It was warm, it was amazing but then I was too afraid to stay there. So I got up and I went into the landing and I just cried and cried because from that moment on, I knew there was something else. And I knew that there was something and it kind of changed my life, but I've never had it again. And I've always thought I didn't have it again because I I don't deserve it. (laughs) Um, So I just want your thoughts on it. Oh. It's kind of so close to me that it's hard for me to talk about it.
0: Yeah, here, here, here's my recommendation, Judith. Um, this, is, this is one of the limitations of, of this type of format. Um, this is a really beautiful story that obviously means a great deal to you, and, and, and I totally get it. I'm pressed for time. Um, I want to do justice to the subtlety and the nuance of your question. Um, a couple sound bites won't do that. Um, I, I generally have to shut these things down to 2:30 yeah. 30 or past that so with your kind permission dear I am going to have Andy put you at the very top of the list so that when we start up again I can start with this because otherwise um, I literally have to run out the door oh, uh,
9: oh oh Andy next Thursday I'm in a retreat next week yeah so I won't be here
0: uh, yeah, no worries so then we'll do it in two weeks no worries
9: Okay. But I, I right. want to
0: honor what you're offering because it's it's it, there's just a lot here and I, I can't do soundbite responses in the time that I have available. So if that okay. works with you, my dear, let's make yeah. it top of the list in a couple weeks and then we can really yeah. unpack it a little bit. Okay?
9: Thank you so much, Andrew. That's awesome, great. Welcome,
0: everybody. Thanks for
9: joining okay. us. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. See you, see you next week or in the dreams or in the barrows, whichever happens first. Bye.